0: thanks to Brandon Knutsvig and his drones for all of those great pictures of our community. I love the visual of that. I am a visual person. It's hard for me to unsee things, but things that I do see really uh, get in me and impact me. And so when I think about those images that we get to see while we're worshiping, while we're watching that specific video, uh, that's really what this series is for. It is that God is for us. He is for our home. He is for our church. He is for our city and our region. And so you individually are part of that. Some of you may literally be in that Global 6K video a couple of years ago as we took off from Crossview Howard Drive. And that's really what this series is about, is to remind us over and over again that God is for you and God is for me. God is for us. And it comes out of our Bless series. I'm going to pull this up for those of you that were here for part of it. And maybe you didn't have a chance to actually get the prayer list of people that you're praying for. And honestly, it might be you. You might be saying, gosh, I'm not even sure where I'm at with Jesus. I need to pray that God would remind me or teach me that he is for me. But grab one of these if you haven't. And if you're at home and if you'd like one, we could mail you one. There are also these shorter flyers back there. These are some really practical ways that you can enter into thinking about being a blessing, how to listen better, how to serve. And if you're really unfamiliar with how to eat with other people, there's even a flyer about that back there. I'm not real sure what it all says on there, but I'm sure it has. Maybe it has recipes. I'm not sure. So when we think about that we are for, uh, the church is for, but it is because God is for us. That verse was just mentioned, Brian just mentioned it, it was on the screen. 1 John 3.16. Anybody have John 3.16 memorized? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? So 1 John 3.16 is also a good one to remember. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So just as we talked about God blesses us, he is for us, It is not just so I can get satisfied, comfortable, just like be in that warm blanket of God's love and be content with him loving me. It is so that I can also be for you and our community and all of the things we're talking about. So, as my watch alarm goes off, if you're ever with me at 2.22, my alarm will go off, and I have some of your lists in hand, I have some of the names in my head, or I have certain families that I'm praying for that you have either texted or handed me a list, and I am trying to remember one of the ways that I can remind myself that God is for me and for others is praying every day for them. Last week, Brian kicked off our series with looking at Luke 15, one of kind of the famous stories about two sons, one who got wild and spent everything but then realized that he had done wrong and came home, and then an older brother who was a little peeved that the younger brother got a party when he wasted all of the family inheritance. And the interplay really is we can be both, right? Or maybe we are just one or the other, but both are invited to come into the house and celebrate that the Father is, at, uh, is, is celebrating both of those people. Today we're going to talk about how God is for our home, and it really links with this story of a father who's waiting, even before the son comes down the driveway, the dad sees because the father's looking for this lost son, and the dad runs after and embraces. So it's it's interesting to have these two back together, Uh, back together, back to back, that's what I should have said. God is waiting for us, hoping for us. And so today, we are going to be in a passage looking at the home. You know these phrases, and sometimes you can go to Hobby Lobby and buy them on pieces of paper or wood. Make yourself at home. Or, welcome home, right? Sometimes people have it on their floor mat or whatever. We'll get to the passage in a minute. Sorry, my, we're going we're gonna to get there. Home is where your heart is. Sometimes people have the outline of Minnesota and they have a heart wherever they actually live in the state. Uh, You've heard the phrase maybe what makes a house a home? For any of you about to get married, probably you're going to get some gifts that have these things on there. Or maybe my favorite, as I was thinking about the word home, is the phrase sweet home Alabama. You don't have to be from Alabama to like get what that is saying. When you think about the word home, What do you think of? What makes a home feel like you're at home? What do people do that make you feel at home? For some of you, it might not be your birthplace, or even right now, where you live. It might not be a location. It may not be the house that you grew up in because maybe you didn't feel at home there. Or maybe you've moved so many times, you have never gotten the chance to feel at home anywhere. What makes us feel like we're at home? Is it feeling safe? Is it feeling cared for? Is it being quiet? Is it having a place where you can feel at rest? Is it when you feel happy? When I think of this, and we've been talking about it for a few weeks as the pastor's team, every time people say, what is like home for you, I'm in the boundary waters. I have a paddle in my hand. I'm looking at the landscape in front of me with trees and the water, and I'm seeing the silhouettes of the pines. I'm looking at the browse line that the moose used to make, and now it's more other things. I'm hearing the water. I'm looking at, hopefully, a blue sky. That is where I feel at home. So where is it for you? And even as I'm talking about the Boundary Waters, are you finding yourself longing for Whatever it is you think of when I say, what is home for you? When do you get there and you're just like, ah, I'm at home? Today we're going to talk about how God is for your home. Many people call the north God's country or they call Colorado God's country. I'm going to claim it today for the Boundary Waters, okay? Okay. And it's a good thing because I do not get to go just once this summer. I get to go twice. I got my permits in the mail this week. God is for your home. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I get to just go twice a year because that would be sad. (laughs) If I'm only at home twice in one year, that would be just kind of a meaningless existence. But how do we enter into that truth? Now, even as we talk about this, I am aware, because I've had a conversation recently with someone who experienced homelessness. There was a period of time where this person slept in a car because her family did not have a home. For some of you, home literally is the last place on earth you want to be. It might be a very hard, painful place, or thinking about your home life as you grew up, it might really be, like, not a great space. Or you might be younger and you have no control over your home (laughs) other than maybe your little corner of existence, your your room. So I want you to think about your space as I say home. Maybe it's like your locker area. Or you're on a team and it's the culture that you can create in that space that you do have some influence over, okay? So let's pray and then we're going to get into Luke 5. Lord, I'm aware that as we talk about home, it can be uh, just a frustrating conversation because of maybe some baggage, some hurt, some abuse that happened. Lord, as we talk about you being for our home, would we be mindful, God, that you can create spaces where we can be free from that. And for others of us, we've had wonderful home lives. Right now, we feel safe and secure. God, either way, wherever we're at in the journey, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice today. Speak in such a way that we can hear you and understand you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Luke 5, starting at verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee From Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus but there was a problem when they got there they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd so they went up on the roof and they lowered him On a mat, through the tiles, in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, Jesus saw their faith. And he said, Friend, your sons are forgiven. Now, when Jesus said this, the Pharisees were not happy. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law became thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow? Who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or pick up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I feel like saying the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's right. This is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Uh, I have two, Acts 8, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip who runs along the chariot. I love that one. And then this one. These are my top two stories of the Bible. I said, if I am like, old and decrepit and I've lost my mind, I hope that the Lord has tattooed this in my spirit in such a way so that I will never forget it. It's just memorable. There's a visual as I am hearing this story. I think it's hilarious. So let's walk through it. First, the setting. There is a crowd. We don't know how big this house is, but it's packed. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees They're known enemies. They are adversaries of Jesus. They are there. But so is this huge crowd of people. And we know there's some sick people there. It says that the power of the Lord was there with Jesus to heal the sick. Somehow enough people had heard about Jesus at this point that they knew that he could do something about their sickness. They also knew that he was a teacher and they were coming to listen. It says that he was teaching them. Now, some people had heard that Jesus was there, and they had a friend who was paralyzed. One of them, or maybe all of them, said, we need to get him to Jesus. So they loaded him up on the mat, and they hauled him. We don't know how far away they came, but they hauled him all of the way to Jesus. These four friends loved this paralyzed man so much that they hauled his body This is before cars, right? Maybe they had a horse, we don't know. But it says that they're carrying him on a mat. Now, we don't know if this paralyzed person was like super skinny or if he loved the olives and the bread. And if so, that could have been a heavy burden. We don't know if it was a hot day and they were sweating to beat the band when they got there or if it was raining and muddy. We have no idea, but it was uncomfortable. I've done this sometimes with students. We'll put like the smallest person in a sheet and each person will grab an edge and try to haul, and it's hard, even with four people. It's difficult. Well, they finally get through whatever they get through and they get to the house and they can't get in. There's a problem. Now, this is my favorite, probably I mean, really moment in history. Somebody says, I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through the roof. I wanna meet this person. I'm assuming they're in heaven and I have an appointment with this guy, okay? Who says this? There's no room. Let's go through the roof. Now that's crazy, but how about the other three who say, That's a great idea? Who's crazier? I don't know. Either way, they do it. Now, houses at this time, some of them actually did have ladders or stairs that went to the top. They used their roofs for a lot of things. They stored things there. They dried things, food things, uh, wheat. They dried their clothes up there, okay? However, let's just say there were really nice stairs and a wide open space on their roof. They still had to haul a person. So it's four people hauling a person. Or maybe there's a ladder. I really don't know how they did it, but they did it. They get to the top and this translation says tiles. Houses were made lots of different things. People, I think on some level, did what they could. You know, whatever was on hand they made roofs out of. Sometimes it was tiles. Sometimes it was like big sticks with mud. Regardless of what it was, they dug. Maybe with their fingernails. Or maybe it was removable. Regardless, they destroyed somebody's roof. And then, they somehow figure out how to lower the guy through the hole in the roof. Is anyone with me this morning? Okay, let's just imagine it's your children. And your children have gone to someone else's house in our midst, and they can't get in because there are too many people, and they say, let's bust through the roof. Is anyone concerned at this point? Yes, okay, a few of us are concerned. Inside of the house, Jesus is teaching. He's got a room full, a captive audience, and suddenly, dirt is falling on heads. People are sneezing from the dust. And then suddenly, the sky opens up. What are they thinking on the inside? Are they confused? Is there a murmur? Is someone laughing? What is the homeowner thinking at this point? Then, a body comes through the hole, lowered by four people. I just love this story. You can't make this stuff up. I wrote in my notes, someone should make a TikTok of this. You can do that later. Jesus watches to see what happens, and what does he say? Son, your your sins are forgiven. Now, it says in the passage that he sees the friend's faith, and he tells the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. There's something in here about community. When I don't have the faith, when I can't do anything, sometimes my friends just bring me to Jesus. And sometimes when I preach this passage, I talk about I literally had four friends in college who told me about Jesus. Two were my inter staff workers and two were friends. And I got to see one of those staff workers a few weeks ago at a coffee shop randomly in the middle of Minneapolis, and it made my month. Sometimes our friends have to bring us to Jesus because we can't get ourselves there. And their faith can impact us. Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I'm wondering at this point if the friends are saying, Yeah, that's great, but could you do something about the paralyzed business? Now, Jesus has something else in mind. But before then, we see that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are not loving this scene. They are not enjoying it. I don't think they're laughing. I don't think they appreciate what these men have gone through. Instead, what are they focused on? Jesus, the audacity. That you have in supposing that you have the authority to forgive someone's sins, that is not okay. And they're grumbling about it. And then Jesus says, so that you can believe that the Son of Man, which harkens back to Daniel, and it's a fulfillment of Jesus being the Messiah and exactly what they wanted, so you know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. I am going to heal this man, and I'm going to forgive his sins. The Son of Man refers to Daniel 7. There's a royal figure who gets put on a throne in Daniel 7, and Jesus is saying, that's me. I have the authority. I am that king that you're waiting for. I am going to establish a new kingdom where I have the authority not just to heal as you have all been watching, not just to teach as you have all been listening, but to also forgive sins. Now imagine you're the homeowner and you're watching all of this happen. I'm fairly confident that this person had positive, uh, appropriate hopes inviting Jesus. I'm just going to give the person the benefit of the doubt. They wanted to have Jesus come. They were hoping maybe healings, teachings. I'm just going to go with, let's say that it was, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say they had good intentions. They were hoping for Jesus to heal. They were hoping to hear his teaching. I am confident that they were not thinking the reconstruction of a skylight would be part of the day, however. So what do you do with thinking about what that person went through. Did they get their roof fixed the next day? Was there a mess to clean up afterwards from that crowd? Did the sick people eventually get well and go home? Did they stay for dinner? I am not sure, we don't know all of that. But what we did know is that Jesus was present in that home and lives were transformed. It says at the end that the people were filled with awe And they praised God because they had seen miracles that day. So God is for our home. The people who are present in that home that day, I'm fairly confident, felt safe. They were happy. I bet there were some giggles. They experienced good, solid teaching. They were healed, some of them. And there were some that received forgiveness. Doesn't that sound like a safe place? Like a place you'd want to be and a place you'd like to call home? I think when we say God is for our home, one of the things that means is that God is for you and your home being a safe and healthy place. A place where you have a healthy relationship with your neighbors. A place where you have a healthy relationship with your roommates or your teammates or your locker mates. If you're a teacher and you have teams, either in your grade or with your subject, God wants that to be a safe place where you have healthy relationships. God is for your home means he wants us to have healthy marriages. He wants us to be good parents. And if those kids ever come home again after they've left, home can be a safe place for them. God is for your home. Do you hear that today? God was for this home in Luke 5. Jesus was for that home. So how can we have the kind of home that God intends us to have? Number one, invite Jesus in. The only way that happened today is because Jesus was invited. I don't know any story where Jesus barged into somebody's house and said, this is where I'm going to preach today. Invite Jesus into your home. Have you ever done that? He can be the teacher, tell you what you do, what you don't do, with your finances, with your words, with your sex life, with your spare time, with your calendar. Would you let him heal you? What kind of home baggage do you have from before that maybe you need to deal with because it's for, you're 45 and you're not getting any younger? Where he can sit on the throne of your home. Now, I'm not making a toilet reference, but it did just come into my mind where Jesus is on the throne in your home. We have a sign that one of our students gave us from Malaysia that says Jesus is the head of this house. And I try to remind myself of that. So do you believe that he is king and teacher and healer? And if not, would you invite him in your home today? Or like Luke 15 we said last week, come home where God has a place for you. And then secondly, What if we took a lesson from the homeowner that doesn't get any print in this story but we know is actually a key person in this story? What if we're like this homeowner that got the roof ripped off? What if we were that kind of person? It might take work. You gotta let somebody in and make a mess and then you gotta clean up after them. It might be awkward. There's a paralyzed person coming through my roof. It might be messy. People's mental health issues, Woo! That's messy. Neighbors, relationships, when your kids fight, how do you deal with that? How can God be for our home in a way that we can be a blessing, and so that we can reflect to the world that God is for them? Many others have built or lived in a home that was a mission. Think about Mother Teresa. She literally built a home so that others could come in and have a safe place, right? And their lives were transformed. If I were to say at the French Ray, Henri Nouwen, or Henry Nouwen, he lived in a facility with uh, adults with s- mental challenges. He moved in with them to learn and to serve. If any of you basketball fans out there know Coach Shashevsky, uh, Duke men's basketball coach, is retiring this year. And I've been reading about him. My dad went to Duke Seminary, so we're Duke fans. Don't hate me for it. Anyway, Krzyzewski, from the beginning of his illustrious career, he always said his family would be first, and his family would be part of the basketball program. So every organization or basketball game, his family is always part of the story. In covenant history, there's a Maria Nil's okay, from Sweden. She was a widow, raising six children on her own when she came to faith in 1846. There were these small group Bible studies that she was a part of with other women and they started reading scripture and discussing it. And they decided it wasn't just enough to study scripture, they needed to live it out. So they started attending auctions where orphan children were sold off. And the women instead, took the children home, to their own homes, and raised them. This eventually became an orphanage, and I believe it's still functioning today as an orphanage in school in Sweden. Challenge-inspired and changed by God's word, these women were compelled to join with God in making things right. What would it look like for us to say, yes, God, you are for my home, where we invite Jesus to be in? And what would it look like If we, like that homeowner, in Luke 5 said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, Jesus, to have you in so that others' lives can be transformed. When God is for our home, we can see how it become a place where we know God is for us and others. When Jesus is in our home, lives are transformed. I believe that. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are for us. Thank you, God, that you are the Son of Man, Jesus, that you came and revealed yourself to us in such a way that we understood you, that these people that day did get to see miracles. For these four friends who ripped the roof off, they were willing to go through hard struggles in order to bring their friend to you, Jesus. The messy, the awkward, the work God, when we think about our home, would we join you in being for our home and others' homes? And God, would you just continue to remind us that you are for us and you are for our city? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.